Welcome to From the Booth, a podcast where we talk about the films playing at BYU's International Cinema. We are now in week nine of fall 2022, and today we're talking about the Polish film Sweat with our guest, BYU professor Amy Peterson Jensen. Welcome to From the Booth, Amy. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. So happy to have you with us. A few words about you, Amy, from your amazing bio. You currently serve as Senior Associate Dean in the College of Fine Arts and Communications, where you're primarily responsible for faculty development and research. You supervise BYU Arts Creative, and you're the executive producer of the Bravo Professional Performing Arts Series, one of my favorites. You teach arts education courses in both theater and media arts education. Something that I'm, I'm picking out of your biography that will be relevant to our podcast today is that you have experience in media literacy. You have served as the co-editor of the Journal of Media Literacy Education. And so welcome to our podcast where we were talking about Sweat by Magnus von Horn, a young Swedish filmmaker who made this film in Poland where he lives. It's a story of three days in the life of a fitness motivator, an influencer called Sylvia. During those three days, she takes a look at herself because she has a stalker after she's vulnerable in one of her posts about being lonely. And so that spurts out a lot of things in those three days. What are some of the things that you would like to open with as you watch this film and some of the things that you've noticed? One of the things that really interests me about sweat is how we get a full picture of Sylvia's social media presence almost immediately. We see her in action and at work creating social media posts, both video and audio and images that she is creating for her followers and actually with her followers. She's a fitness influencer. And so we often find her, and especially at first, we find her in settings where she's actually interacting with her physical body in fitness settings with other individuals. She's clearly loved. She has like 600,000 followers. And that's interesting. And some people could perceive it as kind of shallow as well. But Magnus von Horn does something really interesting in that he shows us the whole of her life in these three days as well. And a part of her life is that she finds her relationship with social media complicated and complex. It's the way that she makes money, but she also can't stop creating her posts or interacting with people. Otherwise, she might lose her living. And so there is this tension between this self that maybe wants some privacy and this self that has to continue to work and also enjoys work and enjoys this interaction with people. And this, this tension comes to a head because of this stalker. And as she has this encounter with the stalker, she realizes that even though she has 600,000 followers, she doesn't have anyone to turn to to tell this story of how afraid she is, how lonely she is, how insecure she is about her relationships in her actual physical life, and even her relationships with those who are aware of her social media presence. 
Now, you mentioned that not only is she performing for her followers on social media, but as well, she has a real interaction with people, like that scene in the mall where she is conducting a, an exercise with real people following her. It brings me to a question about exploring what is an influencer and do they usually have that interaction, real life interaction with people? Yeah. So as our audience probably knows, a, a social media influencer is just that. Someone who has garnered a position where they can influence or advise or make recommendations about sometimes about products, sometimes about lifestyles, but they've garnered that by the way that they present themselves in social media spaces. And we're all familiar with social media influencers who do that. Every day when I walk past the front office, I engage with the BYU students that work at my desk and we tell each other a little joke or a little bit of information about Taylor Swift. And it's something that we have in common and that we can share like the tiniest bit of information. And sometimes, sometimes we're or at least I am a little bit mocking, and sometimes we're totally fangirling it. So there is this power that this individual has over our lives, not just to get us to buy a product, but to shape what we listen to, to shape how we might dress, to shape how we might feel about ourselves, or the ways that we might talk to people about ourselves and the influencers in our real everyday encounters with people. I think that's really, I think that's interesting from like a viewer or a consumer's point of view, but the influencers are really content creators. And a part of that requires them to be creative, to really strategize about what's going to be effective for them to present to in individuals. They have to curate what they're going to share. They also have to be business people. And we get to see Sylvia doing all of those things. Mm -hmm. We get to see her curating what the atmosphere of her live events are going to be like. We get to see her um, trying to make interpersonal connections with her followers. There's one, I'm not recommending this, but there's this one scene where she is recording a post while she's driving in the car. And she's very real and live and funny and she recognizes that she shouldn't be doing this while she's driving and she's still doing this while she's driving which is dangerous as we all know but we get this sense that she really wants individuals to know who she is as a real person and i think influencers often have that charm that draws us in they also have business acumen they also have often uh creative capacities Marie Laura, you and I know an influencer who has uh, 300,000 followers. Her name is Caitlin D'Antonio, and she is Mrs. Dash. And Mrs. Dash is simply a character that she portrays on Instagram. She helps people determine whether they're going to enjoy an electronic product that makes food. And in real life, we know Caitlin as a mom. We know her as a cake baker and a treat maker. We know her as an actress. And as this influencer, she brings all of these things together. In fact, now at this moment, she even brings her children into this space. Mm -hmm. And she does it in a delightful way. 
that makes us want to be in her kitchen, mm -hmm. that makes us want to know just a little bit about her kids. Mm -hmm. And a part of the way that she can do that is because she is, she's a businesswoman. She's an actress and she calls this her survival job, which I think is really interesting. It is. Now, several things that came to my mind as you were talking, influencer haters, can I call that? Yeah. Um, they might see an influencer as a pathological narcissist mm. who, instead of being on the streets, has a platform to kind of share, you know, what's, what's interesting to them and exploit that. So we, we can see influencers as, oh, is it is it a pathology? But as well, the film does not present mm -hmm. Sylvia like that. I love Sylvia. I want Sylvia to find love and I want Sylvia to be happy. I think she has a great influence on people that and people love her. It, it feels real to me. But how do we balance something that could be actually negative as, a, as an influencer for in our lives or something that can be positive? I think I'll talk first as a scholar and then I'll talk as my personal interactions. As a scholar, one of the things that I think about all the time is how can we as consumers be more media literate? And media literacy encourages us to be able to figure out how to access media, but also how to analyze and evaluate media. And then even as we're consumers to think about ourselves as creating our own experience which I think can empower us. It also asks us to act on our feelings when we think about us creating or curating the things that we're curious about or that we view. And so is it possible that there are influencers out there that are highly problematic? Yes, in any medium, that is the truth. And is there a possibility that there are influencers who are out there doing good? Yeah, that's a possibility. But really what we have to think about is how the medium might exploit or expose or encourage us to do things that we wouldn't normally do or to do things that don't necessarily make us feel great. And that sometimes happens to influencers too, as we see with Sylvia. She sometimes does things that she doesn't want to do, but then sometimes she advocates for things that she feels real power in. For example, one of her sponsors is a healthy meal provider And she lets them know that she's not going to work with them anymore unless they use sustainable packaging. And so she has some power over what she decides to present in her videos and in the images that she shares. I think we also as consumers have power to determine what messages we're going to let into our life mm -hmm. and that it is our responsibility not to just scroll through I'm going to talk about Instagram primarily here because that is the medium that's depicted in this, in this film, not just to scroll through or not just to have thousands and thousands and thousands of people that we follow so that we don't have any personal connection or see any value in what we do anymore, but that it's our job to really, as critical consumers, to really analyze and evaluate the things that we're seeing, the things that we take in, does it make us feel good? Does it challenge us? Do the influencers that we follow help us to think about new things? Do the influencers help us find light and beauty and influence our own creativity? For example, I follow an Instagram account called Accidentally Wes Anderson. And I really like Wes Anderson movies. 
I think there is something about their production design that really appeals to me. And people from all over the world submit images that make them think they're in a Wes Anderson movie. It's delightful. It brings a little bit of joy to me when I scroll through and I see that. And so it helps me to think about design. It helps me to think about color. It helps me to think about context. And so it gets my mind going. But there are times when I, as an individual, not me as a scholar, when I, as an individual, am just like sitting up at 1130 at night and scrolling, 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 well past anyone I know to all those things that Instagram is feeding me. And my husband says to me, when are you going to turn off your Sky Mall? And for those of you who don't remember what Sky Mall is, it's for the, us oldies, but it's a magazine that used to get on airplanes where you could buy stuff while you were in the air. And my husband is like, that can be what Instagram is like. It's purchasing stuff that you never really needed, that you're only getting because you're fixed in a seat and you're looking through this magazine. And Instagram has that way of sucking us in and just having a scroll, 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 and maybe ended up with a lip oil that we don't really need or whatever it is. And so I think that if we're going to be creative consumers, we need to really check on ourselves. And some of the ways that we can do that, we can check on ourselves with the time that we take with something we can really ask questions about whose views are being represented and if those views are fair or they align with our values. Those are some of the things that I try to do, except for when I'm buying the lip oil. Maybe that is in my values. Yes, <laughs> creating needs as well, right? Very, very, very good. Thank you so much. Now, social media can very much be, uh, as, as you mentioned, uh, it, it is a, a performance and, and, and it's curating to something specific. Do you have Instagram accounts that you could recommend to our audience of things that you find value in where you, you, you connect? Yeah. When I'm looking for an account, I'm looking for someone who's making something, someone that I can see who's creating something like I always look at the Louisiana Museum it's a museum that I love in Denmark and they show parts of their shows I can't hardly ever go to Denmark but I get a little look into the shows that they're curating at the moment and I get to hear artists interviews which I love and so I like following a big account like that from a museum but I also like following local accounts for example I follow an account from Provo from a local craft store that is important to me in my life, Harmony. And I like to see what makers are making. I'm not a knitter or a sewer, but I do love line and color and texture. And so I get to hear from the owners of the store about things that are magical to them, new products that are coming into the store. But I also get to see what other people make. And that's That's really interesting to me. I also follow film critics and you can follow your own film critic that you love. Mm -hmm. And I follow people who are writing about social media without fail. I check the New York Times, Instagram every single day or NPR. Mm -hmm. Those are ones that you already know about, but they're ones that really matter to me. And I think that one of the things that I do as I'm trying to figure out what I'm eliminating. I try to, this is, this is kind of a quirky, it's a, it's a little quirky thing, but I try to keep the amount of 
places I follow the same as the amount of people that follow me. It's a little bit obsessive compulsive. I'm not sure why I do it. There's really no good reason to do it, but it's one of the ways that I manage. It's one of the ways I manage my account and ask myself important questions about who I should be following and who I should be dropping off. And I really try not to drop off my friends. Even if my friends aren't posting, I keep them on there for as long as I possibly can because I would be excited if I saw an image that they posted of their child or if I saw something in their stories that they had linked to that was important to them. But when I'm thinking about influencers, I really try to think about, is this, is this bringing peace to me? Is it bringing joy to me? Am I learning something new? And if, if I'm not learning something new about art, if I'm not learning something new about film, if I'm not learning something new about my neighbor, I usually delete that person. And another time that I might delete is if I find myself mocking that person and I'm just following them just to mock them. That is the worst. I, I don't know if you found yourself doing that, but oh, it's the worst. And you shouldn't be doing that. We don't really have any right to judge people. Just like we try not to judge each other in person or we're always working on that. We should always be working on that in this way too. And so if I followed a person just so that I can mock something about their intelligence or this is awful to admit or their style, then that goes away because I'm trying to learn to be a better person, honestly. And you're doing a great job at this. Amy is my good friend. And I have to say, I admire her in many ways. Something that I was very touched that you shared, mm, how long ago, your BYU devotional? Oh, maybe like a year and a half ago. A year and a half ago. That was on social media, literacy and connection. Yeah. And what you shared with us was, was very meaningful and taught me a lot. And so our listeners could refer to that devotional. Oh, okay. So it's actually, right? so I have a devotional that I did about 10 years ago that is about media literacy and our connections in media. And I'd love it if you go on to the BYU speeches and watch that. But more recently, and just like sort of near the end of our isolation in the pandemic, was asked to do a faculty forum. And it was really an honor to me because there's really about one or two faculty members that do the forums every year. Usually they're individuals who come from all over the world. And if you are not going to the forums right now, 100% you should. They're so amazing. And we get to learn from scientists and artists and Englishists. And I find them really valuable to go to the Merit Center and sit and hear what they have to say. We have one coming up pretty soon. It's another experience like unto international cinema that can really edify us. But in that speech, I talk about why our bodies matter in a digital and social media world. And so I guess what I'm advocating for in that is for us to acknowledge that Instagram and Twitter are spaces of creation, but they can also be spaces of frustration. We see this with Sylvia in this movie, where eventually her effort to make all of her fans and her followers love her creates an isolation where she is almost paralyzed or immovable. And so what I'm encouraging in this speech is that we remember to move and to create in physical spaces and in digital spaces. And that we remember that there are people we love, people that we know only a little bit, and sometimes that we know a lot, and that they're in our physical spaces and our digital spaces. And both our physical spaces and our digital spaces 
are our reality. And I think sometimes even I think of my digital space as a little less real than my actual physical space. But both of these spaces are real because they're impacting how we feel internally. They're impacting how we feel intellectually. They're impacting how we feel emotionally and socially. And they're impacting how we feel spiritually too. And so it's important for us to check in. And it's important for us to think of ourselves as creators in these spaces, even when we're only consuming something. That role of consumption is still a creative role. And we've got to figure out how to manage that and value our role as creators when we're consuming. Thank you so much, Amy. Thank you so much. It was so fun to be with you. Well, go see Sweat and continue the conversation, I'd say. I'm Marila Oskerson, IC Assistant Director. And thank you all for joining us today on From the Booth. We're also grateful for the support of the BYU College of Humanities. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not represent official views of the university, nor its supported institutions. Work on the Sound is by Hayden Underwood this week. Original music is by John Stylings. To all, thank you. Until next week, we hope to see you in 250 of the Kimball Tower. Thank you.